Well, again, we're looking at Exodus, Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We only touched on part of that passage, and where we left off last Sunday, uh, we saw Moses in his little ark, baby Moses, uh, setting sail, uh, if you will, on the mighty Nile River. His mother had made this little boat for him, this little, little um, basket that uh, the word literally means ark. It's the same word as Noah's ark. And uh, his mother set him afloat there on the edge of the Nile. I don't know about you, but when I read this story and I think about him being uh, placed on the river, I picture this little river because I've never really lived around a huge river, but this is a massive river. This is not a little stream or a, a small river by any means. This is a river like no other. It's like a sea in itself, this giant river, and it's filled with danger. It's full of crocodiles, and not only that, well, of course, Pharaoh's decree uh, was in effect to put these male Hebrew babies to death in this way. Well, his mother had defied uh, Pharaoh's decree that the Hebrew uh, male babies were to be thrown into the river as soon as they were born uh, to drown. She, of course, kept him alive, cared for him for three months. But then we're told when she couldn't hide him any longer, she made this little boat for him, this little basket made of reeds, waterproofed, uh, just like Noah's Ark was, and she put him inside, and uh, with a broken heart, probably, uh, set him in the water on the reeds, among the reeds on the bank of the Nile, uh, doing so in faith, but not knowing what would be the outcome of this. She probably couldn't bear to watch what would happen next. She seems to be nowhere in sight in this passage. But Moses' older sister was there, not far off. Uh, this is probably Miriam, whom we uh, come to know later in the narrative. And she stayed and she watched what unfolded. She wanted to see what would happen to her baby brother. And in verses 5 to 7, we see the answer. Moses was rescued. And he was found by Pharaoh's own daughter, of all people. Uh, and as you read this passage, I hope you can just catch and enjoy the irony of this. Uh, it really is flowing through the whole passage. Uh, of all the people who would come along and find this little one, it's Pharaoh's own daughter. And you, as the reader, ought to be thinking, wow, the Lord. <laughs> the Lord is so good. The Lord is so awesome. Uh, and this is how God's providence will ultimately work out. No matter how his enemies try to fight against his people and oppress them, God turns the tables. And ultimately, in the end, he will do that. He uses his enemies and their bad intentions to bless and to do good to God's people. 
And here we see that. Here, Pharaoh's own daughter rescues this baby who was under the death sentence of her father. And this baby was no other, uh, no ordinary baby. This was the baby who would grow up to deliver Israel from Egypt. What a beautiful, beautiful providence we see here. Only God could think up a plan like this. You think about what we read in Ephesians 1, how God works all things according to the counsel of his own will. We see him doing that very thing here. So Pharaoh's daughter sees this little basket floating near the river's edge, and she sends one of her servant girls to go get it, and lo and behold, she opened it and found this beautiful baby boy. We're told he was a fine baby, a fine boy, a beautiful boy. It must have been frightening for Moses' sister as she stood at a distance watching this. Uh, she couldn't have been very far away, but she seems to have concealed herself, and she's watching this unfold. She probably wondered what's going to happen next. Knowing the decree of Pharaoh, uh, she probably wondered if Pharaoh's daughter would uh, enforce this decree, maybe turn the baby over immediately to the authorities who would put him to death, or maybe she's uh, uh, a horrible human being and would just drown him right there on the spot herself, according to her father's orders. But that didn't happen. Neither one of those things happened. She knew right away this was one of the Hebrew babies. But instead of harming him, she was moved with compassion. He was crying, and her heart went out to him. And in direct defiance to her father, she rescued this child and later adopted him as her own son. You know, the gears start to turning in your mind as you think about this. Pharaoh's daughter doing this. I wonder if this daughter of Pharaoh had her father just wrapped around her finger like uh, many daughters do with their fathers. And he consented to this. Maybe he thought, well, it's just one Hebrew baby. Can't hurt too much if I just let one live and it'll make her happy so well back to the riverbank we see some other wonderful ways that god was at work here in that very instant when this baby was discovered up walks moses sister maybe she saw that this young princess was treating the baby well treating him kindly Maybe she overheard uh, that she planned to save the child. Whatever the case was, Miriam was uh, emboldened to walk right up to Pharaoh's daughter, and she said, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And notice the way she said this. It was very careful. I think she probably wasn't a, a super young girl because she had some wisdom in the way she 
put this question to Pharaoh's daughter. She put herself in the position of a servant to this princess. May I go and help you in this way? May I find someone to meet this need for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, go. And of course, Miriam had just the right Hebrew woman in mind for the job. Here again, you, the reader, ought to be saying, how wonderful, the Lord. And Moses was given right back to his own mother. How great is that? How great is the Lord? One minute, his mother was probably weeping, starting to grieve for her son that she probably thought might well have been dead already. And in the next moment, she received him back into her loving arms. And she was told she would be able to care for him. She must have burst out into praise to God who had worked this wonderful rescue for her son and spared her so much grief. She surely praised and thanked the Lord and marveled at his providence and and worshipped him for his mercy and his goodness and his, his amazing sovereignty. As you think about these things and these these amazing providences of God that were unfolding here that you see in this passage, please remember this is your God. He is the same today. He's the same God who saves you and controls all your circumstances. He's the same wise and wonderful God, so good. You may be in very hard times of grief or trials, but you need to know that he is working out his good purposes for you as his child. He is working for your good and for his glory. And so it's fitting for you to trust in him and to to give him thanks and praise, even if you don't see those good outcomes yet. Trust in him. He's doing what is best for his people and for you personally as his beloved child. He's worthy of your trust, worthy of your praise and thanks even before you see the good outcomes. He is faithful. Well, so the girl brought back her perfect candidate for the job and um, to be a, a nurse for Moses and to take care of him. Whether the princess realized what was going on, we don't know. Whether she knew that this was really Moses' mother or not, we're not told, and it doesn't really matter. What matters is that it happened. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I'll give you your wages. And so the woman took the child and nursed him. 
But did you catch what happened there? Here again, <laughs> you need to see God is so good. It's humorous what's unfolding here. It makes you want to laugh for joy. Not only was Moses saved from death, and not only does his mother get him back to take care of him and to raise him for a pretty substantial time, not only that, but she's even going to get paid for it now at Pharaoh's expense. That's funny. What a deal. Only the Lord could do that. God is so good. And now Moses has this opportunity to bond with his mother and to live with his own family and to live among the people of God for the early years of his life. And he would have had time there to, to have basic um, spiritual instruction from his father and mother. And it probably wasn't a long time. Surely not long enough for his mother's liking. But what a blessing for him to have that time with his family. And no doubt, he never forgot the lessons uh, and the formation that he received uh, at such a young age. Those things were ingrained in him. Seeds were planted that God would cause to grow and bear fruit later in Moses' life. Or we're told then that when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. We don't know how much time passed, but it, at least long enough for the baby to be weaned. Uh, so we're talking a young child at this point. Uh, maybe three or four years old, or maybe longer. Uh, we don't know. But at that point, when the time was right, he was adopted into Pharaoh's household. And it's interesting that Pharaoh's daughter named him Moses. Here again we see God's sovereignty at work in the name this child is given. She didn't really know how appropriate this name would prove to be for little Moses. The name means to draw out. And she thought, well, I drew him out of the Nile, so that's a good name. That's a fitting name. And it was. But this child is the one who later in life would draw out the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And then later, through their own watery ordeal, bringing them through the Red Sea alive while Pharaoh's army was drowned. God would use Moses in these wonderful ways to save Israel from their suffering in Egypt. It's a very fitting name indeed. Well, there's a lot of wonderful irony in this passage. 
just to summarize it again, Moses' mother uh, follows Pharaoh's instructions in a way. She puts her son into the Nile River as Pharaoh commanded, although in a slightly different way. She did that by faith, Hebrews 11 tells us. By faith, she put him in that little ark. By faith, she entrusted him to the Lord. And through that act of faith, he was saved instead of killed. Pharaoh meant for the Nile River to be a watery graveyard for so many of Israel's male children. But in God's sovereignty, he turns that river into a means of Moses' salvation. And isn't it beautiful that one of Pharaoh's own children undermines his evil plan by saving the very child who would one day liberate Israel from Pharaoh and Egypt. And that Egyptian princess took the advice of that Hebrew slave girl so that Moses' mother not only gets Moses back, but gets paid to care for him. And finally, Moses was reared. He was educated, highly educated, no doubt, and well-trained to be a leader. And he receives all that education and training by these very people, the Egyptians, who wanted to crush the Israelites. They actually have a good part in forming the man who would save Israel from them. And really everything that we've read, not just in these verses, but back in chapter 1, is is full of that uh, delicious irony. God is turning evil to good. He's overturning Pharaoh's wicked plans, and he's bringing about his own sovereign, redeeming plan. Not only that, uh, he's doing it, as we saw last week and here again, through these several women, women who were not highly thought of in that society, women who were, um, we could say, despised. It's through these women that God works to overturn Pharaoh's plans. Uh, The midwives, first of all, disobeying Pharaoh and somehow getting away with it. And now the mother of Moses and his sister and even Pharaoh's daughter. This mighty king of Egypt who literally called himself a god was completely foiled and frustrated by these seemingly humble, powerless women who are under his authority. But God's authority is over all. And God's authority is clearly superior to Pharaoh's. And that's what we're supposed to see. God is working through these weak and powerless people whom he uses to exalt himself 
and to bring about his grand redemptive purposes. And he shows us these things for a reason. The Israelites needed to learn to trust in God and his providence. God was doing these great things, and he was preserving these stories in Scripture so that his people would come to know and be convinced that he is in charge. He is the one who's in control of all things. He is their Savior and ours. God's people in every age need to learn that lesson. We're so prone to uh, forgetting that God is in control and, or not taking comfort in that reality and not trusting in Him. But here He is guarding and protecting His people, caring for them, working all things together for their good. All these circumstances. So much that it's funny. All these troubles that his people went through, trials, even this terrible persecution of their enemies. Whether it's the Egyptians or whether it's the modern-day enemies of the faith or our spiritual enemy, Satan, we need to know and believe that our God rules and reigns over all, and he overrules evil and turns it around for our good today. He's still working in that way on behalf of his people. And of course, the greatest way that he did that was through another little baby Hebrew boy. And this one was born in Bethlehem. And he was God's own son. And he too was born under a death sentence. And he too had a king out to exterminate him. Herod the Great was determined to kill this baby that he saw as a rival to his kingdom. He even had his soldiers carry out orders very much like Pharaoh's. He had them slaughter all the male babies of Bethlehem. Yet that child was delivered. And he grew up to fulfill his purpose. And God worked everything in his life according to God's divine plan. The boy grew in wisdom and stature before the Lord. He grew up to live a life of perfect obedience according to the law. He had a wonderful three-year ministry full of mighty, amazing miracles and teaching that showed that he was no mere man. He was the king, indeed, the king of God's kingdom and God in the flesh. But then at the height of his ministry, his life was snuffed out. He was not delivered from death. He was handed over to wicked men and put to death. But this too 
was all according to God's sovereign plan. The death that he died was an atoning death. The death that he died was for our salvation. And that is ultimately how God overturned and triumphed over all evil. Over Satan and death and hell and over every enemy. He sent his son into the world to live and die in our place so that our sins might be forgiven and so that we could be clothed in his perfect righteousness. Do you believe that personally? Do you believe in him? Have you trusted in this Savior? This great salvation that he accomplished can be yours, but only when you trust in him personally to save you. You need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Moses' mother had to entrust her helpless baby boy to God, she entrusted him to God to save him. And so, in a similar way, you need to entrust your soul to God, to his safekeeping in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is your ark of salvation, and you enter into him by faith, by trusting in him and him alone to save you from your sins. He is your God. He is your Savior who died for you, and he is worthy of all your trust and your praise and your love. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are worthy of all praise. This is your great and glorious cosmic plan of redemption for the universe, sending your Son into the world to redeem us and to restore all things in him. Father, help us to remember your goodness and your faithfulness and remember the good outcome that is coming at the end of your sovereign plan. Uh, whatever we may be facing now in this life with suffering and losses and crosses, help us to keep resting in you. We pray that your spirit and your word would keep teaching us of your goodness and your faithfulness to us. And above all, Lord, we pray that you would Keep us trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and all that you have done for us through him. What a wonderful Savior we have. And we ask these things in his name. Amen.